Amen. Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, well, Recovery House of Worship is a place that welcomes everyone from no matter where you come from. If you slept in the penthouse across the street or in the park bench next door, you are welcome here. And we want to grow together in Christ. That's what we are, a community that desires to grow in Christ. So we're so glad and so happy to have you here. Today we're going to talk about living without God. Do you know that it's possible? Now listen to me. I'm not going to talk about what atheists do. I'm not going to talk about what uh, unbelievers do. Do you know that it's possible to be a believer and live like an atheist in your planning, in your hoping, in your dreaming, in your, it's possible. In fact, many Christians I know choose their spouse, go and plan for their schools, plan for their, uh, how many children they're going to have, and never even think, not, not that they don't do it, it never dawns on them to ask what God thinks about what they're doing. And so we're going to talk about that when Christians live like atheists. And so my prayer is, is that you and I would dial in because this is so important for all of us. I remember, I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in a, a, a part of Brooklyn called Greenpoint. Now, Greenpoint you can't afford to live in now. But back when I was growing up there, you could easily afford to live there. It was a nightmare. It was a, it was a, it was a war zone. And so um, I remembered that on the few times my family left the neighborhood, when we came back, there was a smell. Because Greenpoint was by some sort of sanitation uh, plant. And so there was like a smell. And, and I remember we would go in, but I never smelt it until we left and then came back. It was just, I never smelt it. It was just, I was, I, but I remember uh, after a while, when I was young, I remember thinking, oh, we're home. You know, it was just like it smelled like home. Sanitation uh, smelled like home. Now, I, I, the reason I, I bring that up is because that, that's possible to do with your nose, right? Have you ever heard that phrase, nose blind? Your nose blind, right? Like if you go into a bathroom and it smells really bad, you're like, whoa, that's so bad. But if you just stay in there for like one minute or two, you become nose blind. You don't even notice it, right? Right? It's happened, right? It doesn't just happen to me in Greenpoint. It happened to you and wherever you are, right? Because it's possible to be snow blind. Do you know that it's also possible to be God blind? That we live in a culture and we live in a society and we live in a community that depending, waiting on, think about that, waiting on the Lord, that that is not a part of our lives. In fact, we think it's silly. The way we make decisions, the way we go about our lives, the way we uh, determine whether, how, whether or not we're going to have children, whether or not we're going to be married, whether or not we're going to get with this person, whether or not we're going to date, whether or not we're going to live in the place that we're going to live, whether or not we're going to move, that those decisions are determined without a moment of thinking about what God thinks about them. It's it's so easy to fall into. I can do it. You know, I've done it with this church. 
I've done it in my leadership. I go, oh, no, no. I know what we need to do. We need to do this. I've done it in my family. I've done it raising my children. I've done it with my friends. I've done it over and over again to the point where some of the repercussions have lasted a really, really, really long time. Harming relationships, damaging marriage, hurting my children, scarring this beautiful community. You see, God knows that you and I don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. But he knows what's going to happen in the next 30,000 years. And so he knows that when you and I plan for the future, that we do harm to ourselves. Isn't it true that when you were uh, 15, you thought of a picture of your future? That you was like, oh my gosh, if I could just have this. And then you got that. And then it all went bad. Because your 13-year-old self is not wise enough to know what your 30-year-old self will need. And, and your 30-year-old self is not wise enough to know what your 50-year-old self will need. And do you think that your 50-year-old self is wise enough to know what your 70-year-old self will need? You see... We need today's message. We need what God is going to speak to us today. Because if we don't have it, we will live a life without, we will live a life declaring God, but find ourselves practically living like atheists. In other words, we will get the worst of both worlds. We will get the worst of life as a believer. And then start blaming God for the results that we've achieved. Of course that's what was going to happen. How could it be any other way? But we go, no, 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 God is at fault. No, 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 God was never even consulted. God was never even asked. And so today we're going to take a step back and we're going to ask God to convict our hearts. And I'm going to ask, especially some of you who have plans, plans about what you're going to do when you get out of when you get out of the uh, recovery house that you're in. Plans of what you're going to do after this year is up. Because, right, this is the time for planning, is it not? What's, what's 2020 going to look like? Well, well I, I have plans. Yes, 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 yes. But are those God's plans? And has he even been consulted at all? Beloved, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because you and I have plans. We have plans for our kids, we have plans for our lives, we have plans for the... And we're going to have to find out, what does God plan for us? And is he worth consulting if he does? I think he does. So today, we're going to end chapter 4. We're going to end... Uh, uh, we've been in a series called This Is Us. The reason that we started this series is because we said, now that we're in Christ, now that we're a community of believers in Jesus... How then shall we live with and amongst each other? We shouldn't be, like, we shouldn't just borrow from our old culture, although there's some beautiful things in our cultures that we can borrow from that are godly and beautiful. And we shouldn't just live like we, the rest of the world wants us to live. No, 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 no. 
We should now be a new community, a new group of people, a people who live for Jesus. And so what does that look like? And so we've been going through this book of James line by line, verse by verse, and now we're at the end of chapter four. The next chapter will be our final chapter. We'll see how long it takes us to get through that. But in James chapter four, verses 13 through 17, he has some important things to say about a sin that we all commit but rarely think about. So would you stand? That's part of our tradition, another of our traditions here. We stand at the reading of God's word. It doesn't make us any more spiritual, but what we are saying is that we're at attention, that God's word, we're going to give more authority than our feelings, our thoughts, or our ideas. So let's read this together. Would you read it with me? All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. This is God's word. So what do we do? Our lives can be so easily led by doing our own thing and not thinking about God at all. James, as he's speaking to these Christians, he's bringing up a really important point. He says this. Now listen, interestingly enough, James doesn't start this section. Remember how James starts a lot of other sections? He goes, brothers, sisters. Here, he says, now listen, you. Listen, you. James, James is not just. He's, James is like dealing with a broad variety of people. So he's dealing with people who believe in Christ and He's even addressing people who don't believe in Christ. Now, this is an important point because maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you go, you know what? I have my own personal connection with God and I'm just not down with this religion thing. And you were asked by a friend here. Or maybe you just, you you come because it's a cool environment or whatever, you know, whatever reason you do. But that's your And and I just want you to know that whether you love Jesus or don't love Jesus, whether you're on the fence about Jesus or you're rock solid with Jesus, I'm letting you know that that what we're about to speak about now is important for you. That you don't even have to be a Christian to understand that this is an important point for life. That, That if there is in fact a God in the universe who created you, and that there is in fact purpose for your life, And very few of us could live without purpose. Like very few of us could actually live life without an idea that there's purpose in our life. 
People who live without purpose, I mean, usually wind up killing themselves. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole point. That if you lose hope, you, there's no reason to live. And so James is saying for all of us, listen. Those of you who say, today or tomorrow, listen to this rationale. Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Those are all the decisions that you and I make without consulting God. We make decisions about our lives, how we're going to spend our time, how much and what kind of money we're going to make. Like in all those, what we're going to do in terms of our vocation or business. We go, God, these are really, really, really important issues, so we're not going to consult you at all. It's madness. Think about it. Some of us got into some of the most difficult predicaments. If you ever, okay, have you ever, let me ask you a question. This is an important one. Have you ever been in a relationship that just crashed and burned? Raise your hand if you've ever been in a relationship that just crashed and burned. Oh my goodness, that was awful, right? It's just like it, it ended up badly. Okay, all right. Have you ever made decisions, another show of hands, have you ever made a decision that you knew was the right one and then it blew up in your face? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, all right, there's a few of us, right? Okay, there's one or two of us. Okay, good, 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 good. Okay, have you ever... Have you ever decided to go in a particular direction and it seemed like the entire world was going, no, don't do it, don't do it. But you thought you knew better than the whole world. Raise your hand. Go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so now confession's good for the soul. So now that we're being honest and all of us fall in that category, here's the deal. How did you... How did you wind up going in that direction? How did you wind up in that position? You've asked yourself, have you ever asked yourself this question? How did I get here? Raise your hand. Okay, great. Good, 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 right. Okay, here's the answer to your question. How did I get here? You got here without God. That's how you did it. How did I wind up here? Oh, you did it without consulting God. Without asking God for direction. But you don't understand. She was so pretty and she looked at me and she said, she winked and she said, hey stranger. And I was like, oh my goodness, are you talking to me? <laughs> or, or, but you don't understand. I got to take this job that works 90 hours a week. I can't invest in my relationship with Jesus because I got I to gotta make up for lost time. I, I blew so much of my past. I got to start making up for lost time. And then my relationship with God is stressed and, and, and it's gone. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, I'm wondering, man, there's no relief in my life. I might as well take a drink. And I wind up in the same place that I started just a few years ago. How did I get you? Oh, you got there without God. Or, or maybe like, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm going to go to this school because I just want to get away from my family and this is a cool school and they said it was a party school and so I want to party and I just want to, and so you pay to live there, which is like insane, oh my goodness, please don't pay to live on campus. I mean, really, no, 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 like, all right, just 
as an aside, okay? Okay, my beautiful, my beautiful congregation, listen to me. If you're going to go to college, listen to me. There are costs that are involved with this that if you just consider, especially you young people who are considering this, staying here in New York, picking a good community college, you can go for almost free. We have people here who are like really smart and help you how to do that. Catherine Rivera is the first person who jumps into my mind. She's helped all of my kids go to school for almost free because she knows how to, you know, do applications and things like that. Don't, it's a terrible thing to start life with a $100,000 boulder on your leg. It's a terrible thing. Okay. Oh, but I'm going to go to this party school. And now you have $100,000 and now you got to, now you know what you have to do now. You have to move back home the very place you were running away from, you have to move back home and live there to, in order to pay off this debt because it's so great. You, you see what I'm saying? How did I get, you know, and now you're 23 living at home going, how did I get here? It's like, oh, I did it without God. So we can do this in 100,000 different ways. You who say, today or tomorrow, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to make money. This is how I'm going to do. No, no, no. And for this amount of time, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? And James is just trying to point out the obvious. And let me just say, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then James goes on and says, you know what, you're, you're, like, a, you're like a puff of smoke. Your life is like a puff of smoke. You're like, Have you ever... Have you ever, um, uh, it's, it's getting cold, right? So you just go, ah, ah. It's, a, it's a mist. It's there for a second, and then it's gone. That's what our lives are. Our lives are like that. You don't know. You don't. And the reason, the reason you think you know is because you, A, lack the humility, or B, are so proud that you think you know better than God. And so you think you know better than God about work. You think you know better than God about your gender. You think you know better than God about your sexuality. You think you know better than God about your relationships. You think you know better than God about how to spend your time. You think you know better than God about your recovery. You think you know better than God about your future. It's, it's a painful thing to know better than God. The people who suffer the most in this world are the people who know better than God. You don't even know. What is your life? Rhetorical question, but one worthy of answering. What is my life? Oh, my wife. My life's a vapor. It's a mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, then James brings about a possible solution. And by the way, Today's big idea, I forgot to bring it up earlier, but today's big idea is very simple. It's this. When I plan my life in a godless way, my life tends to go astray. When I plan my life in a godless way, my life tends to go astray. Would you say that with me three times? When I plan my life in a godless way, my life tends to go astray. Two more times. When I plan my life in a godless way, my life tends to go astray. Last time, 
When I plan my life in a godless way, my life tends to go astray. When I do that with my, you understand when I say when I plan my life. I mean your eating habits. I mean your spending habits. I mean your relationship. I mean your plans for school. I mean your moving or your dating or your, what, how you're going to do retirement. Like, like everything, I'm telling you, every aspect of our lives needs to be run through the filter of who God is and what he has made me for. Instead, James says, rather than planning your life in a godless way and leading your life astray, rather than doing that, here's a thought. James says, you ought to say, in your arrogant, um, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will. If it is the Lord's will. We will live to do this or that. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, there's two groups of people. I've really been hitting hard on Christians acting like atheists, right? Right, you know, uh, Christians behaving badly. Christians living like Jesus doesn't exist, right? But then there's a hyper, I don't know what you would call them, a hyper-religious group of people who have the words, but not the heart. And so what you do is everything you say is like, hey, I'm going to the bathroom if the Lord wills, right? Hey, I'm good. In other words, if the Lord wills, see, the, uh, this, this is, I know this is true in Spanish. In Spanish, oh, si Dios quiere, right? Like, have you ever done that? Like, and you haven't even cared, si Dios quiere, right? Like, um, if God wills, if God wants it so, if God wills it so. You see, there's a way that you could be a Christian and not even think about God, and then there's a way that you could allow jargon or phrases or religion to so consume your life that you have all the right words, but your heart is far from God. So you go, if the Lord wills, but it never really dawned on you that this might not be God's will. If the Lord wills, I'll see you tomorrow, but maybe, no, wait, wait, wait. Let, what does it mean to say, when, what does it mean when James says, you, should, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. What he's saying is, is that you should take the time to find out what God's will is and then live in accordance with that. And so whether we're talking about your money, whether we're talking about your relationships, whether we're talking about your clean time, your recovery, whether we're talking about your work life or, your, or what to do with your career or how to spend, like whatever we're talking about, we're talking about God. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, God. This is, my life is not my own. My life belongs to you. Where would you lead? Where would you guide? Now, now, in order to do that, and here's, this is, a, this is a deal, okay? You actually have to be willing to hear God's will for your life. In other words, um, uh, let's see. It's possible it's possible to live your life in so close to anxiety that you don't want to hear God's will. You just, you just got to get this thing done, right? And so, you know, you've been planning for the wedding, you know, for the last eight months. The invitations have been sent out. You know, the dress has been brought. The bridesmaids are there. 
And then, you know, they're putting on the makeup, and you go, God, I wonder if this is your will. It's like, I'll take it. Okay, cool. Not a bad question to ask at that moment. I think it's a really important question to ask, even at a late stage in life. But do you understand how limited you are with your ability to be open to God's will? Do you understand that your heart tends to close when you put yourself that close to anxiety? You see? When, we say, when James says, he says, live life slow. Don't wait till, okay, so like right now, I'm in my job. You know what? I don't like my job. But I got to do it because I got I to gotta pay child support. I got to pay for my family. I got to pay for my life. I got to catch up, right? I got to do my job, right? But I don't like my job. So why do I have to wait till I'm fed up and then I walk into work one day and then, you know, I tell the boss to take this job and just, you know, put it where the sun don't shine, right? What, what, why not, right now, start going, God, I don't like my job, but I don't have skills for anything else. And I don't know what to do with my life. And God, if you want me in this job because you're trying to teach me humility and brokenness and dependence on you and this job best teaches me that, then that's what I want for my life. But Lord, if it's not, would you open ideas and thoughts and conversations with my brothers and sisters around me so that we might do life together to the degree where they can speak your will into my life? Would you, as I read my scriptures today, would you lead and direct me? Because this thing about my job, even though I'm grateful for it, thank you so much, Lord. I'm so grateful for it. But is it really your best or your will for my life? You see? Now, it's three years before you blow up. God has plenty of time, plenty of time to redirect, guide, and lead your life. Does that make sense? And in order to do that, in order to do that, you're going to need, listen to me, you're going to need a community of people, a community of believers that love you, love and know God, and, and uh, love and know God, and are more mature than you. You need that. We need that around us if we're in fact going to make godly decisions. Because all of the decisions that we tend to make are self-centered decisions or selfish decisions or, because oh, right, there's, there's so much in our culture like we were talking about, we don't smell it. Think about this. The phrase, follow your heart. Think about that phrase. Follow your heart. Let's do another survey, shall we? <laughs> Has anyone here ever followed their heart and their heart led you off a cliff, right? Like just, holy cow, this ended up real bad. Absolutely. Follow your heart. Follow your heart is the worst suggestion I've ever heard in my whole life. Follow your heart? You know what happened when I followed my heart? I qualified myself for a 12-step community. You know what happened when I followed my heart? I hurt my family in ways that I still haven't been able to repair. You know what happened when I follow my heart? When I follow my heart, I lead myself into the... You know why? Because the Bible says that the heart is deceptively wicked above all things. Oh my goodness. If that's true, then I'm going to need to take a 
bath in God's word. I'm going to have to find out what God says, not what my culture says, but what God says. And then I'm going to have to surround myself with godly people who are more mature than me who could say, you are being silly. You're choosing that not because of God's will. You're choosing that because of your own wicked desires. And then James goes on to say, in verse 16, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. In other words, you celebrate. I literally remember, true story. Um, there, there was this woman who, had, uh, who was praising God. She was praising God that God had provided her with a new car. She was praising God. Now, that's not wrong. But I knew what kind of awful debt she was in. And she was telling me, and it was a new car. And I thought to myself, you are boast, you're boasting in your schemes. Oh, God provided and, and, and God made a way. Mm. Tell me that again when you're feeling the pain and the stress of having to pay this car note or having to think about whether you're going to pay this car note off or you're going to tithe or having to think about whether you're going to pay this car note off or be generous to the homeless. It's, no, maybe, maybe God didn't provide that. Maybe you did that all by yourself. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Why? Because it prevents you to do it prevents you from doing what God wants you to do. Don't you see? All such boasting is evil. If anyone then, therefore, if anyone knows what what the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. So I want you to we do this together. The way we live life wiser, more full, and following God's direction is we do it together. And in doing it together, we find that God is sufficient and he's enough. Now, we have a, a testimony uh, here from Darlene. Um, as She's been growing in Christ and she's been um, finding out what Jesus' will for her. But she's done it in a way that I think is real beautiful for us to all listen to. So with that, uh, we'll ask the very beautiful and precious Darlene to come up and share her testimony. Hello, family. My name is Darlene Peoples. Last Sunday, Pastor Edwin talked about seeking God with others. This brought to mind how I have grown as a Christian woman, not just, coming, not just through coming to Sunday service, but also through the women's Bible study and prayer service. In those small gatherings, we pray for each other, we read scriptures together, and get to learn about each other's struggles and triumphs. Pastor Edwin also talked about how we need to trust God completely and fully, and how God gives us more grace. I thought about those words and remembered my hip surgery, which I had two months ago. I have always prided myself on being an independent woman who never had to ask anyone for anything. Even though my doctor told me that I would be unable to do certain general tasks, 
such as cooking for myself, laundry, and grooming. I was so certain that I could take care of myself on my own after surgery. It wasn't until I told the woman here at church that I would be having hip surgery that the outpouring of kindness and concern overwhelmed me. It was then that I submitted myself to God that I would need help. And that's when the women of the church were there for me. After surgery, I opened my eyes to see my son and a friend from church was standing over me. I also had visitors from the church who came to see me the next day. The women brought me food and prayed upon me. When I was released from the hospital, a friend from the church drove me home. The woman at the church stopped by my apartment and went food shopping for me and kept me company. I just want to thank everyone who was a pillar of strength to me in my time of need. I have learned to not only seek God, but to also seek God with others. Thank you. So when we do that together, when we do life together, life is better. God gives direction, and we're no longer at the whims of the culture or our desires, but we're seeking God. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about how is it, what decisions do you have to make? What decisions are you thinking of making? What are they? If you're in, in ministry, perhaps you're thinking about what next um, decisions you have to make in your ministry, especially for this upcoming year. Or maybe you're married and you're making some decisions that are, again, the decisions that you're making in your marriage are going to cause damage and hurt. That's true from the ice queen to the guy who's going to abandon his home. Listen to me. How can we invite the scriptures, God's people, to speak into our lives? That's what I want us to start practicing. Now, if, uh, yeah, let me just say this real fast. God desires, God desires for us to come to him because he knows what's best for our lives. He loves us. And the reason that God can, listen to me, the reason that God can guide and direct you is because he himself, Jesus came in the flesh and he gave his life Remember, remember there's this moment on the cross where Jesus goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yes. Yeah. The reason is, is because Jesus got the punishment that you and I deserved so that we could get the benefit that Jesus deserves. Jesus was obedient in all things. So Jesus was forsaken so that you and I could be embraced and loved Jesus was forsaken so that you and I could be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was forsaken so that you and I never have to be alone. So don't squander that, but rest in him, trust in him. Ask him for guidance through his scriptures. Ask him for guidance through other Christians, not just for confirmations for what you already want to have done, but for direction of his will your life. That's my prayer for you. Now, as we transition, we're, we're going to be taking communion. And today, we're going to give ourselves an opportunity to confess. What's communion? Communion is a tradition that uh, Jesus 
um, started, and he said this. He said, he said this. He said, Jesus got his gatherers together, his followers together, and he said, I'm going to give you something to remember me by. Something that you could be reminded about all the sacrifice and all I've done to pay the price for your sin. So it was a, a, a meal that they, he was having with his followers and they took bread and they broke it. And in breaking the bread, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. Take it personal. His body was allowed to be broken so that your body could be whole. This is my body broken for you. Then in the same meal, later on in the meal, as they were about to finish their meal, he said, this is my blood shed for you. Drink this, remembering me. Now, this is so important because if you ever wonder about what price was paid so that God doesn't, it wasn't just that God was available to us at all time and, and, and that there was a price that was paid for that kind of availability. We, you and I, we were far from God. We were his enemies, the Bible says, and wanted nothing to do with God. And God said, you know what? You're enemies and you deserve a punishment, but I'm going to do everything that you need to make our relationship right. I'm going to do everything that you need to make reconciliation between us possible, God says. And so he allowed, God allowed his body to be broken because that's what you and I deserve. And he allowed his blood to be shed because that's what you and I deserve. He allowed it all so that there could be real reconciliation. Now, brothers and sisters, don't say no to that. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, here's, here's what I want. Would you just... Come to Christ. And what do I mean when I say come to Christ? It's as easy as ABC. A, admit. Admit that you're a sinner. You know that the only people that Jesus has to love are dearly loved moral failures. That's it. There are no perfect people. There are not even good people. There are only dearly loved moral failures. If you're a moral failure... You qualify. But some people are just too good. I'm just too good. I don't see any sin. I don't think. Keep coming, please. Please. So first is admit, ABC. Admit Admit that you have sinned. Admit that you've done things that were wrong. Admit that you've sinned. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins so that you could be reconciled to God and rose again from the grave. Believe that he's done that 
And not only has he done that, he's done that for you. And then C, commit your body to him. Whatever he says, think, think. Whatever he says, go, go. Whatever he says, do, do. Commit your body to him. Whatever your words, whatever your thoughts, whatever your actions, commit your body to him. That's, that's, what, that's what I would suggest to you. And that's what I mean when I say coming to Christ. Admit, believe, commit. Now, those of you who already, now if you don't know Christ, you can literally do that in your chair right now. Just go, God, here's the truth about me. I, I've done things that were wrong, stuff that I don't even like to think about. Would you save me? I believe that, you're, that you died for my sins and you took on all my guilt so I could get all of your righteousness. And so now I commit my body to you. You can, you can pray that right now in your seats. And those of you who know Christ, let this be a time of reflection. A reflection where you think about what areas in your life you've been living without Christ. For some of you, it's your dating. For some of you, the way you've been planning your life, you just got to go back to the drawing board. For some of you, it's your marriage with your kids. But we're going to have a confession that we're all going to read together. And I encourage you to join in. And then we'll have a time of silence where, where we can reflect as, the, uh, as the, those who are going to um, uh, lead us in communion as they come up. Almighty God, let's read this together. One, two, three. Almighty God, to know you is the fulfillment of our deepest longings and the satisfaction of our most ardent desires. Yet foolishly, we have sought our pleasures elsewhere. We have put the seeking of idols, which are bound to leave us feeling empty, above seeking you. We have failed to love you with our whole heart, soul, and mind. We have failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us our sins for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and grant that from now on we might serve you in newness of life. Amen.